Hello and welcome to Salopcast Financial Special with Ant Thomas. Hi, welcome Ant. Hi, evening Ollie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me so here with Ant. And um, we're going to do a, a special podcast all focused on football finances, which is obviously an interesting topic um, around football and how Shrewsbury Town spend their money. And it's something that often gets discussed in terms of how much money should we be spending on transfer fees and how much money should we be spending on wages. And clearly, um, money has a direct impact um, on your performances. And obviously, last season with Wigan and Blackburn, having so much money um, is something that often was discussed amongst town fans. So um, before we kind of jump into the, the kind of the detail of like the, the episode... Maybe just give yourself a little introduction, Ant. Yeah, thanks, Ollie. So, um, yeah, so my name's Ant. I'm a first and foremost a Shrewsbury Town fan, have been for, for pretty much all of my life. And then a little bit later in life, I started a, a career as an accountant, uh, which I've now done for the last 15 years or so, um, the last 12 of them as a, a qualified chartered accountant. And as part of that, I've, I've applied my day-to-day study of numbers into the the football financial world and and in particular Shrewsbury I've taken a really keen interest in our club accounts every year and what I've started to do in the the last few years is write an article that breaks down the accounting jargon and tries to explain our club's finances um, for for every fan to be able to understand. Yeah cool and that's kind of where this this podcast kind of really came from was um, the idea of like asked, I think I asked you quite a few months ago about whether you're interested in doing this, mm. um, and to kind of yeah go into some and to go into depth, and I think also to answer some of those questions that um, that fans want to know, you know why don't we spend more money and things like that, but maybe and take it from a from a position of kind of knowledge and also a position of looking at our finances and what is really true, and also mm. we'll also look at a few things like financial fair play. So we'll start with looking at the club finances, then we'll look at what the club can spend. And then we'll then we'll look at Shrewsbury in kind of the wider context of the EFL, yeah. and then we'll kind of close it up. So, Ant, we're now in um, March two thousand nineteen, um, but why are we talking about accounts seventeen eighteen? We're quite a way back from eighteen now. Yeah, it is. It's a good question to start with, Ollie. So, Shrewsbury Town Football Club Limited uh, is a private company, and they prepare annual accounts to the thirtieth of June each year. Now, in the UK, private companies have nine months from their year-end date to file their accounts with Companies House uh, and make them publicly available for for people to download. So if you think the 2017-18 season finished in kind of May, June 2018, Shrewsbury then had nine months, which is essentially the end of March, to complete their accounts and to publish them. And that's why we're talking about 2017-18 now. Okay. Is that is that delayed just because give them time or is there, is there a, a strategical reason or tactical reason for them doing that? Do no, I, I would say most private companies tend to use the whole nine months before they, they file their accounts. Um, some will certainly prepare them a lot sooner than that and won't release them to the public because they don't want their competitors or their yeah. suppliers kind of seeing that financial information so do you think uh, also maybe a, a, a bit of a negotiation tactics for agents and things like that maybe or uh, possibly I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it like that but I mean given how strong Shrewsbury's results are that's that's a fair it's a fair comment I think if you were a suddenly a club that was selling a player to Shrewsbury and you saw that Shrewsbury were in a strong financial position you might use that as, uh, as leverage to get a better deal cool I will say cool probably a lot in this podcast and I'll get the piss taken out of it for it. Um, so, um, so yeah, so maybe you can give us a few highlights. What kind of highlights would you take from the accounts? Yeah, so I'll try and keep it as short as possible, really, in terms of the highlights. But 
just to say again, these accounts are publicly available on the company's house website, so anyone can see this. And and the facts that I take from them are facts. They're not judgments or assumptions or, or guesses. Um, and so the key highlights for Shrewsbury in the 2017-18 the season were that they made a profit in the year of just under £350,000, and that was compared to a £400,000 profit in the, the previous season. Um, they saw their turnover. So what, what we mean by that is their sales, the money they generate by 1.8 million. Um, and then they saw offsetting that an increase in costs of about 900 grand um, plus, and we'll talk about this later, a decrease in money from other areas, which primarily was the little deal in the 16-17 season. Um, so I guess what we've seen from that, Shrewsbury were profitable. Um, they have around 3 million of cash in the bank. Has that? 30th of June 2018 um, the club has no debt which again is a little bit out of kilter with a lot of football league clubs and there were no dividends or wages and salaries paid to the directors of the club again which is uh, it certainly fluctuates amongst different football league clubs. So that's an interesting point actually people sometimes say we're not spending money on um, on um on players because yeah, when Roland Rich is getting a new Bentley or something, mm-hmm. and that's something that I've seen quite quite regularly. Mm-hmm. So he's not taking a, a profit from the club. No, so there are certain things that private companies have to disclose in in their accounts. Um, one is the level of dividends that are paid to shareholders, of which um, obviously the directors are are sizable shareholders in the club. The other are things called related party transactions. So this is if a business has transactions with their directors or key management personnel, so like the CEO, etc. They have to disclose what those transactions were. So if the directors were being paid money for um, their services to the club or just they were taking money out, that would have to be disclosed. Okay, and they're not taking any? They're not. Okay, cool. Interesting. So so a question, so we've got money in the bank then. Um, And have we got more assets now? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, if you look at Shrewsbury's overall net asset position, it's positive by 14 million. And, and what we mean by net assets is we look at all of the assets a company owns. So things like buildings, land, fixtures, fittings, computers, um, cash, that's an asset, money we're owed by other people. And then we take away our liabilities. So this is where we owe people money. So it could be that we owe for transfers, that we have a bank loan, etc. And the difference between those two is called net assets. So Shrewsbury's is positive by 14 million. The majority of that is the stadium because we own our own stadium. It's still relatively new. um, And that makes up a, a large chunk of that 14 million. Okay, so if I'm a fan and I'm it's January transfer window or summer transfer window, you might be hoping to sign some players potentially with that bunch of money in the bank? Yeah, I think Shrewsbury are in a, a decent position when it comes to having the, the ability to spend money on players. I mean, first and foremost, we know the way our club is run is that it's about protecting the club um, for the future as well as spending money now on, on players. And so although we've got or we had three million in the bank at 30th of June 2018, I would be surprised if the club was sitting there going, we're going to spend three million on on players. Yeah. Um, And that is because, as with any business, we have this phrase, cash is king. You need money in the account to pay players, to pay employees. Um, Also, for a rainy day, you know, if something happened to the stadium or um, there was an issue where Shrewsbury needed some some extra money then having that money in the bank and not having to go 
to the bank for a loan is, many would say, is a, a positive position. Yeah, and one thing we haven't touched on is wages. Well, we'll come to wages later because yeah. obviously there's money in the bank and what you can spend. And we'll come on to um, FFP or financial fair play later. And obviously there are, we'll come on to explaining there are limitations that the club can spend on wages. So mm. we can spend money on transfers, but um, you know, I think it's fair to say that you know, the majority of your outlay for a, you know, a top quality striker or a quality player is going to be on wages, which we're limited on. Yeah, and I think we will come on, I'm sure, to talk about this in more detail. But from my perspective, um, transfer fees, especially in the lower league, is, it's a bit of a, a red herring. So Shrewsbury in the 17-18 season, we could see they spent 300000 on transfer um, fees. But actually, they spent £3.5 million on on wages. That three and a half million is a much bigger number than the three hundred grand. So it surprises me when some supporters will clamour about how much we're paying on transfer fees. When, as you pointed out, Ollie, it, it's surely much more important to to pay the going wage for yeah. a top striker or a top player um, than necessary to pay a huge transfer fee. Yeah, and I think I think there's also that risk that you get used to the Premier League and players are on a lot of shorter contracts in in lower leagues. There's a lot of players going around, so. You, necessarily the need for transfer fees mm. is probably less as well yeah i think that's a fair point cool so one of the questions one thing that people always see you know we've when we sold um like toto and nolan we sold them for reportedly about one and a half million so like would we see that see that money in the couch yet so for the transfers of john nolan and, and toto and siala those transfers took place in pre-season 1819 towards the end of july um, early August and therefore they wouldn't be recorded in, in this set of accounts so what that means is when we're sat here in a year's time talking about the 1819 season we'll see that money coming in or, or the transfer fee recorded in that set of accounts cool so one thing that people talk about is that is how the money comes in so even so we said Toto Nolan was a bit too soon to see that in the last accounts but obviously we've got maybe potentially some Goldson or maybe Woods money coming through the accounts in, in the last last year yeah, I, th- I think with um, Goldson and Woods, I'd expect the majority of that money to come in in the 18-19 season again because um, when Ryan Woods was sold to Stoke, that was in this current season. Um, Connor Goldson, I forget exactly when, when Goldson the same time. transferred. Yeah, around the same time. So it all depends on that, that specific date. If the transfer went through pre-30th of June 2018, the money would be in yeah. these accounts, and if not, it will be in next year's accounts. So we sell a player... And um, how quickly do we get the money? So that's a, the million-dollar question, literally. It, it all depends on the terms that the two clubs, the seller and the buyer, negotiate. Uh, it may be that there is a seller. So imagine you're a selling club. You've got a, a striker, but you're massively in debt. You've got the tax man chasing you. You need to pay your, your wages. So you're going to sell him for you know half a million. But the, the terms of that deal is you say to the buying club, but I need that money now. Okay, so the buying club say, okay, we'll, we'll transfer you the money now, there's your transfer fee. Actually, what tends to happen in a, a lot of transfers in the Football League and Premier League is that transfer fees get paid over a, a number of instalments over time. So you might have a deal that says, you know, that 500000 we will pay you uh, 100000 for each of the next six months, just because it helps the, the cash flow for, for both clubs, I guess, in, in that instance. Um, I actually worked with a... I won't say who, but I don't think I can say who, but a, a now championship football club probably 10 years ago. And there was a really interesting situation where they bought a striker from another Premier League club and they'd done a deal which said they would pay the transfer fee and it was in the millions over a three-year period. 
And then after about 18 months, they then sold that striker and they got the transfer fees for him immediately. So two years down the line, they had a situation where they were still paying for a player that they no longer had. Um, to me, that's a bit bonkers, but that's that's the way football can work. And that's, I guess, how you've got to make sure you balance your accounts, make sure it doesn't go the other way. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's all about going back to that point of any business needs cash to continue to operate, to be able to pay its costs and its wages. And so you've got to be able to manage you know, that and, and forecast those cash flows well to, to do that effectively. And you know, there have been a number of high profile cases in the football world. Well, that, that just hasn't happened. Yeah. Okay, so is, is there any, any, anything else on the, the last accounts worth mentioning? Uh, from the perspective of an accountant, and I say this in the, the nicest possible way, these are one of the most boring sets of accounts you will read because they are very, very straightforward. Um, there's very little kind of odd stuff that goes on in there. And, and by odd, I mean complex or judgmental. Um, there's no debt. There are no payments to directors. Um, it's a very, very easy set of accounts to review. And again, quite different to a number of other football. Yeah, which accounts. is yeah, which is an interesting point from a as a fan, town fan and seeing other clubs spending lots of money and how they run. But yeah, it's something I think I I personally take some quite quite pride in. He's bought a team that pays their suppliers and you know don't go into administration. Yeah, and it's it, it can be, and I and I get that it can be frustrating at times because there are so many instances where we've seen teams go bust and then get a new owner the next day or see it seemingly spend beyond their means but get promotion because they've done that and that's the great kind of option to weigh up between supporters you know do you want that well-run club where you know that the club's going to be here next year and the year after and you're going to be able to invest in your academy and and put together a decent team to challenge in the league or do you go you know sod it I just want us to spend every amount of Know, every dollar we've got and sometimes money we don't have in the pursuit of uh, a promotion to the championship it's I, I get it why people do that but for me and again it might be because I'm a boring accountant I'd rather see the club was um, safeguarded for the future yeah I'd, I, I would like to yeah I think it's good to see the, t- the town spend money but for me yeah I, I completely get your point about transfer fees I'd rather see, you know, I think everyone's really proud to see Conor Gold doing well at Rangers. Yeah. I'd rather see players come through, even players like Grant Holt came in as like one or two week season wonder. It's all about balance, I think. Mm. Signing players with value. But I think when Paul Hurst came in, he was saying about we need a squad that's got some value in it, yeah. which we were clearly lacking at the time. So obviously it helps the balance sheets, but also, yeah, the performances on the pitch. Um, so in terms of um, kind of like t- takeaways, what would you say is kind of like the trend over the, like the last five years, Cliff? Maybe one thing I'll just throw in there before we you start is obviously we've also got a training ground now as well, haven't we? Yeah, we have. So it's a good point. So we've we've now got the training ground, um, which we've been able to to spend that money on from the profits we've made in previous years and, and the transfer freeze brought in. And you would hope that having those better facilities, continuing to spend money on the academy, that means that we can bring in players either from a young age or that we sign from other clubs, develop them and you know either they help us to better positions in the in the league or we get to sell them on and, and go to see them on to, to bigger and better things in terms of the trends i mean i i did in my article for the for the club website a look at the last 15 years of, of shrewsbury accounts for, for some of the key metrics and it's a really interesting trend for um so our turnover our sales that on average it's increased significantly um, over the past few years and, and what that means is that we've got more we've had more money to spend on on wages and salaries and transfer fees 
So looking back to kind of the early 2000s and, and around 2004, 2005, 2006, Shrewsbury were spending kind of under one and a half million a season on on wages, wages and salaries. Fast forward to the last three years, and in each of the last three years, that budget has increased to three and a half million. So you can see when people say, where's the money gone? It's gone on spending more money on players and, and the playing squad. Our, our playing budget now is over twice the size that it was just over 10 years ago. And I mean, that is, that's a significant change in any industry. And what's that driven by, would you say? Uh, I mean, that's, that's driven by the move to the new stadium. Certainly has helped a lot because our attendances have, have gone up and have generally stayed, stayed higher. Um, our ability to bring players through the academy has helped. So we've had a number of one-off player sales, such as Joe Hart, Dave Edwards, Connor Goldson, Ryan Woods, um, a number of players who have who've actually been bought by Premier League teams before they've broken into our first team as well, like Josh Janelli, um, etc., and and that's also allowed us to to spend more money on the playing squad. Cool. So so in terms of anything else, so in terms of profit, and has that been quite regular? Have we had any years where we've lost money? Yeah, we have. So I think football compared to a lot of industries is it's very hard to to forecast accurately because you can do lots and lots of things off the pitch to engage the supporters to um, manage your cash carefully etc etc but ultimately football is driven by what happens on the pitch and attendances will always go up if Shrewsbury are towards the top of the league and always go down if they're, they're towards the bottom of the league you've then got things like cup runs etc which for the best will in the world are very hard to predict this season being a prime example we've done very well in the FA Cup and yet our league form has been pretty disappointing um, so there are going to be seasons and I expect this going forward where we make profits or we make losses it's it's not like a uh, any other business that's been going for 100 years where it's a lot easier to predict you know where whereabouts you're going to end profit wise each year okay um, and I guess that comes back to why cash is king and cash is important to have in the bank. Because if we if we don't have a an FA Cup run, we've got a bit of bit of money in the bank to kind of we budget that into the the accounts and if we had to fill up the, the kind of the wage structure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly right. It's it's almost saying, um, you know, what happens if we don't have a cup run or we do badly in the league or you know our prize assets or the players we thought we could sell that they have a horrible run of injuries yeah. and and therefore we can't. So it's. Or you sack your manager and you have to sign 10 new players. Oh, you sack your manager and you have to sign 10 new players. Yeah, absolutely. And, and pay them off. Yeah. And you don't, can you see that kind of, that kind of activity in the accounts? You, so the, the way that, um, that businesses work is, and sorry, their, their requirements for reporting in their accounts is that if something is so significant that it would change the view of the, the person reading the accounts, you should mention it specifically. Now, if we talk about changing managers, there would ultimately be a cost related to that, but it's not going to be in the millions. So you wouldn't see that cost brought out directly in the accounts. No. And obviously, for John John Askey's departure, we wouldn't see any numbers for including the accounts yeah. until the 2018. And I'd hope he's not on a million pounds. <laughs> really Something's gone wrong if that was yeah. the case. Interestingly, Paul Hurst in his interview and recently said he, he was didn't have really much of a pay rise going between Grimsby and Shrewsbury. Mm. Does that surprise you? Uh, that's so. That's an interesting one. I guess he was going from League Two to League One. Yeah, and he was. They were in the playoffs, weren't they, in League Two when he when he transferred over? Um, 
I don't know. It's 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 hard to know exactly how clubs structure things. There's there's always been a big debate with managers as well as to whether they should be paid more than the players. I think it was Sir Alex Ferguson that used to have a, a clause in his contract that said he always must earn more than the top earning player, um, which I understand from a, I want to make sure they know who the boss is. I don't know if that's the same in, in League One and League Two. Wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't. No. Anything else on takeaways? I think we've we've covered the key things there. It's always interesting to compare the club accounts to to other teams in in the league as well. I think we'll come on to do that yeah. as well. We'll come, we'll come on to that. We'll come on to comparing Shrewsbury versus other teams in the league. So, how much can Shrewsbury Town spend? So you mentioned it before about three and a half million, but how does Shrewsbury get to that number, and what kind of rules are there in place that kind of limits? or puts restrictions on um, Shrewsbury Town? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So I'm, I must admit, I had to do a bit of reading up on this um, myself before the, the podcast was recorded. And I'm not, I'm not an expert on this, but broad brush, the rules are that in the summer before the start of the new season, every club in League One and League Two has to submit a budget of what they think their turnover is going to be for the essentially for the next season. Um, and that includes, and, and that has to include things they are, pretty sure is going to happen so you don't include FA Cup runs because you just don't know the, the likelihood of that but you would say if your previous season's home gate was on average 5,000 this year you're averaging your, your budget is for 5,000 again that's a fair assumption to make and once you've added all that up you get a budget of your revenue say for 5 million you're then capped at around 60% of that that you can spend on on your players essentially on player wages Okay, but not all players. So some players aren't counted in that. Players under the age of twenty-two aren't counted. Yeah, you, you mentioned that's a really interesting yeah. point. So you're, if, if you can develop your own players or invest in younger players, then that's going to give you a, a potential advantage. And you'd imagine they're particularly on lower wages as well in terms of coming through the youth system. Yeah, absolutely. So it's um, win-win, I suppose. So, so how much can Shrewsbury spend? And I think it's quite interesting actually that the last year's accounts includes obviously last season. Um, where Shrewsbury had a, a fantastic season. And so far, the accounts have been released um, and the analysis is done by Kieran Maguire. So big thanks to Kieran Maguire um, for the data. And Shrewsbury, there's five teams from League One that have kind of shown their accounts. And Shrewsbury at the moment um, are third out of, out of these five teams. Interestingly, actually, I think that the one that just above Shrewsbury is quite an interesting one. Probably a bit of a surprise. So Shrewsbury spent about three quarters million um, pounds on players um, last season. On wages, but how much did Rotherham spend? Yeah, so Rotherham spent almost six and a half million. So that there's a huge difference there. You know, two and a half million difference between the two clubs. As percentage, that's huge. That's a huge yeah, difference. it is huge. When you think that really, you would say that Shrewsbury and Rotherham are similar sized clubs, and I guess that's driven by Rotherham being in the championship in in the previous season, yeah. and um, you know the the TV money alone in the championship is six plus million which when you compare that to Shrewsbury's annual turnover, eclipses it. So yeah. it, it does show you know, that, that higher earning potential for clubs in the champ. And they do have a, uh, there's a rules as well work in FA that allows the teams that get relegated to spend more money than League One teams as well, which is kind of, again, kind of favouring the, the, the bigger teams. Yeah. But how much, so similar to Shrewsbury, you've got Warsaw on a bit less than Shrewsbury, a few hundred K less, and, and Rochdale, like 600 K less. But that 600 K is actually quite a lot. If you think you know that's a couple of decent players um, in terms of in value, but the, what the Wigan figure is is astronomical. That's crazy, isn't it? So Wigan spent nearly twelve million on on wages, and that's before 
um, having the power to go out and sign players, which and don't count in the wages in the in the in the FFP. That's right. 60%. Yeah, yeah. So transfer fees don't don't count. So you're saying there that Wigan's um, playing budget, excluding transfer fees, was nine million higher than than Shrewsbury's, four times the size. And I think that goes to show just what an incredible season we had yeah. last year. When you're thinking that we pushed Wigan and Blackburn, and I'm pretty sure Blackburn's um, wage budget was even higher than Wigan's. And it goes to show just what a, a wonderful season we did have and, and just a shame that we couldn't hold on for those last few weeks of the season. Yeah, on the podcast the last season, described as almost we were competing against two superpowers. Yeah. And financially we were. Mm, it's, uh, you know, and it's, it's crazy because football has swung that way um, significantly over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, whereby now it's all about money. It is all about money. You do have these oddities like Shrewsbury last season. And I would, I would, Compare that to Leicester winning the the Premier League yeah. a few years ago in terms of the um, the level of success com- when you compare the budgets together. So you do have those outliers. Burton getting promoted to the Championship a, a few seasons ago, but ultimately, if it comes down to people who spend more money, will have more success yeah. on the pitch. That's that's the um, the biggest underlying factor. Burton's a nice link as well, because um, we're looking at um, Championship income. So Burton, when they're in the in the same season, we talk about last season. Burton had the lowest income. He had eleven million. So we're talking about the six. So seven for us. If we had, we'd have a similar income to Burton, maybe a bit higher yeah. with the TV money. And they were competing against Norwich um, and Aston Villa, who were both over sixty million. Yeah. And that's in the Championship alone. That's huge. And you're talking it? about Ipswich Town on seventeen million. Um, you're talking about Wolves, who had twenty-two million, and Wolves went into massive debt. I think they lost um, half a million a week to get into mm. to get into the Premier League. Um, which is just a crazy, and yeah, it's 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 hard. So we go up, and we've got to compete against even yeah. even bigger teams, and yeah, it it just puts into context of how amazing last season was. You then you then have the question. So if you are a Burton and you get promoted, now what do you then do? Do you then say right, we've got this extra money coming in, six plus million just for for the TV rights? Do we spend it all trying to stay in the championship? but then knowing if we then get relegated, we don't have that money in the bank to compete. Do you try and compete in the championship on a really low budget? And then if you get relegated, you've got that that money in the bank. Um, and of course, you've got the pressure of the supporters. You know, the supporters yeah. do not want to say, okay, we'll, we'll take relegation in the championship because we've then got a bigger base to build from in League One the next year. So what would you do? So here's a little scenario. <laughs> and this is this completely off the cuff. Mm. So you're the Shrewsbury Town chairman. And Shrewsbury got into the championship. What would you do? How? What would you do? Think to kind of like get that balance? Yeah, I, I think I tried to take a similar approach to what Paul Hurst did with Shrewsbury last year in terms of you know last year we were the underdogs even in League One, but he put together a team of hungry professionals who were trying to build themselves in in the game. Um, he wanted them to to really fight for everything and to try and use things that were. Um, not necessarily money related so fitness for example making us the fittest team in the league and then in terms of that extra money that we get I would I would spend some of it on um, you know buying players maybe investing in younger players from the lower leagues who are really hungry and have potential and then put some aside knowing that if if it came to relegation and we were back in league one we had a bigger budget from the time before we were in league one to to compete again which is interesting because you look at Wigan when they came down and so Shrewsbury complied with the FFP. We got quite good. We're, we're on um, 57% in 2018, again, thanks to Kieran Maguire for these for the stats. But Wigan, 
they kind of spend a bit more than that. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that, um, so it was over 100% of their their income from last season went on wages. Um, you mentioned that there's a reason they're not caught by the... Yeah, so they have like they have like a grace year or something like that in the championship. Yeah. Sorry, coming down from the championship, you have a grace year Yeah. Um, to, um, yeah, to kind of almost like allow yourself to spend to get back up. Yeah, exactly. Which is really odd. Which again seems odd. Which is against, again, puts League One teams or teams that are coming up a disadvantage yes. and there's no surprise that the teams that have come down in the last few years have gone back up mm. so when Shrewsbury were fighting the three teams that came down so um, Rotherham um, Wigan and Blackburn all came down they all went straight back they up they did yeah and you look at the league table this season okay you've got Sunderland up there okay you've got Anomaly with Luton um, but you've also got Barnsley doing really well yeah and it's not surprising when you look at the, the rules how they work mm. and also their income where they're where yeah they exactly are, where they are. I mean it's great to see Luton up there I mean I yeah. don't like Luton but it is great to see again that a team can can push these ex-championship clubs aside and, and really show that it, it you know football the reason we love football is that you can be the you can be the worst team on the day and still win yeah. you know, that's the beauty of the game it gives everyone a chance and it is great still to see um, a club like Luton and like we did last season pushing the the big boys all the way. Yeah. So in terms of so in terms of looking next, let's look at um, like in terms of signings. So signings for that season, you've mentioned it already actually that three hundred k. So we spent three hundred k, and again Wigan again they spent quite a lot bit more than Shrewsbury. Yeah, that's right. So I mean, interesting. You can see from the accounts the generally the level of of money spent on on transfer fees and just to go delve into accountancy chat a little bit here. When you pay someone for a player and you sign them on a three-year deal and the transfer fee is half a million, you recognise that in your accounts as an intangible asset. So that's because the contract is it's a piece of paper. It's not like a, a physical asset, like a car or a building. Um, and what you then do is you say, right, we've got this asset over a three-year contract and you then reduce it by one third every year until you get to the end of the contract and it's worth zero. Um, so you can see that Shrewsbury spent um, 300,000 on, on transfer fees in 2017-18. In Compare that, there's some really interesting comparisons. So Wigan spent over a million on, uh, on transfer fees. Peterborough, a really interesting comparison. They spent over one and a half million on transfers in the, the same period. So they have a, a different approach, I think, to a lot of teams and that they they actively go out and look to buy players from lower division teams and, and into non-league with the hope that even if they pay half a million for that player, they can then sell them on for a million a year or two later. So it's interesting, isn't it, then, that Peterborough spend money to which doesn't count against FFP, their 60% cap, to buy players and then sell players. And then the players they sell can then be then used to bolster their, their wage budget. So only if they sell those players at a profit. Yeah. So if you okay. buy a player for half a million, sell him for a million, then yes, you can use so that half a million oh, okay. that's towards your, your um, financial fair play budget, uh, which is interesting. So yeah, and, and that's an interesting approach from Peterborough. Yeah. yeah. He wants to get into the championship. Yeah. And spending more than Wigan suggests that they do and obviously in those numbers we don't know how much Blackburn Rovers spent yet but we know that they spent well the, the rumour is they spent 300 quarters of a million pounds on Bradley Dack mm. this goes to show <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the different purchasing power they have just going back to championship uh, turnover and income and taking that on to the the Premier League so there is a fascinating fact that came out last season in terms of Premier League prize money so looking at what each of the teams in the Premier League receives for TV rights, um, what these 
things called facility fees, um, equal share of TV rights here and abroad as well. It all goes into a big pot and then clubs get a share of it based on their league position and, and various other things. So as you can imagine, the two Manchester clubs were at the top they each received and this is a staggering amount in its own right, £149 million, um, not for doing anything bar competing in the Premier League. But then as you look further and further down the league, you realise why this is so staggering. So West Brom finished bottom of the table last year uh, and this is excluding any player sales, any uh, attendances, match day income, etc. They got paid for finishing bottom of the Premier League £94.6 million. Pounds. So just imagine they've done nothing really for that. They, they could easily have turned up, lost every game, and, and they did lose most of them. Yeah. And they've got nearly £100 million. Pounds. It would take Shrewsbury 20 seasons to amass that amount of, of turnover. Um, and it just goes to show two things. One is that um, the Premier League is just on a different planet in, compar- in comparison to the playing budgets compared to League One and, and most League One and League Two clubs. But also it goes to show that there is no reason, and this is this is for another podcast maybe, Ollie, why any Premier League team should be charging unfair ticket prices for supporters. Because West Brom could let all of their, their supporters in for free and it wouldn't impact their their turnover number by a significant amount. And it, it just goes to show, I mean, you can use the word greedy, which is what I'm going to use, how greedy football's become. Um, but that is an insane amount of money to receive for doing nothing other than finishing bottom of the Premier League. Yeah, and you said, and then you see why teams um, spend so much money to try and get into the, to chase it. Yeah, to chasing the dream. Yeah, absolutely. You, you look at Bournemouth; they broke FFP rules to get into the Premier League. Yeah, and it's working for them now because they are now in the Premier League. They're not a club that spend crazy money. Mm. Um, and that's kind of with a good manager, good transfers. Yeah, they're surviving the net. And let's not remember. How many times have you been to Bournemouth as a Shoes Town fan? Yeah, and, and gone there when they've had the buckets outside yeah. because they've gone into and administration the again. And, yeah, and, and the administration again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, they were one of those teams that were in financial trouble a lot. Um, but they've they've taken, they've had foreign investments and they've been able to take that gamble to get into the Premier League. And, and again, you can see why some owners do that. I don't think it would ever happen with a, a local club like Shrewsbury because... You know, our owner, quite rightly in my view, sees himself as a custodian of the football club. It's his his position is to look after and protect the future of the football club. Whereas if you are a um, an investor from outside of the town or the country, you could look at it and go, well, I'll give this a go for two or three years. And if it pays off, brilliant, we'll have a Premier League t- team. And if it doesn't, then I'll go and invest somewhere else. You don't have that affinity. So someone did that to Shrewsbury then? So if someone comes in, I don't know, you know, we see Chinese investors all across the Midlands. They come in. Could they leave Shrewsbury in debt then in quite a bad situation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, if you think that, I mean, what, say it was an investment from, from China or someone like that and someone came in to the club, um, they got us in, in debt. What, what quite often happens is they put the money in and there are then debts owed to, back to the owner. And then after a while, they said, this isn't working. You know, I'm not going to continue putting money into the club and I want my money to be paid back. And then whoever should take the club on from that may then have interest payments to pay to the former owner. um, Or they might just have their hands completely tied by players who've been signed on three or four years deals on astronomical wages that they don't carry on paying. With like Pompey. Pompey, yeah. Leeds United are always a a good example. You know, they they were paying Robbie Fowler for... 
years after he left the club. Um, you know, it, it then takes a long time for clubs to get back on their feet. Yeah. So, so we talked about we've gone off um, a few interesting tangents there about Premier League and, and different things. So, where so in terms of a fan, so Shrewsbury Town fan, we looked at some of the numbers. Shrewsbury are in terms of income and wages, disposable wages near the bottom end of League One, aren't we? In terms of budgets, definitely bottom half. Yeah. Which yeah. makes it every season then whoever comes in is going to have to have. Not a poor less season, you know, but you can maybe build. I mean, you need a couple of young players, but we are going to be constrained financially. It's going to be a challenge to 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 win the league. Not impossible. We've seen Burton do it. Yeah, yeah, not impossible. I, I what I would caveat that with is to say that the way the club have gone about managing their finances now for you know really for the last twenty years is they've said how can we best utilise our resources and actually some things you've spoken around already is bringing in young players who aren't included in the, the financial fair play rules, but also developing our own. And actually, you know, Shrewsbury and, and we should all be very, very proud of the academy that, that we've built and also the investment now in the training ground. That gives us the best opportunity to bring in talented local youngsters and to bring those through. And, and that can help us challenge the, the bigger teams because we've we've made that investment at a, in those young players and that can be one way to say we might not have the biggest wage budget but we've still got a hell of a team yeah and I guess that's the challenge isn't it to for any manager to try and emulate Paul Hurst but go that one step further not Wembley and try and go all the way, yeah, go all the way yeah and from a financial point of view do you think it could happen shoes we could go to the championship yeah absolutely absolutely like like you say it's not um, we're never going to be the favourites to, to win League One, but we do have such a steady base now that where we spot players um, in the lower leagues, where there's a transfer that need, fee that needs to be paid, we can we can do that as well as continuing to invest in our training facilities and academy. Um, so there's there's a lot of hope out there. And good there? loans as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're seen as a club that is, is run the right way. Um, we look after other players teams play as well they know the training facilities are, are going to be good therefore why wouldn't you send you know your player to Shrewsbury Town to get some experience so obviously we've talked about getting younger players and obviously we've got, we've got about three three or just over three million pounds to spend on wages another way or we've, and we've seen it successful in the last few years we've had some great loan players loan market's another way to try and boost the playing team why about well not um, sucking up all your, your wage budget yeah, that's right. And, and loan deals tend to work in different ways, just like we talked about how transfer fees are dealt with in, in different negotiations. And so you may have a situation where um, a player comes on loan and the borrowing club, so Shrewsbury in this case, pay their wages in, in full every week. Now, obviously, you'd have to consider how that fits into your budget and the financial fair play rules. Sometimes, because there's an advantage to the loaning club, you might say, well, if we, if we play this player every week, then actually they're gaining experience. That's benefiting you in the long term. So we'll just pay you 50% of his, his wages, for example. Um, these, these deals differ. But as you say, it's a good opportunity for clubs like ourselves to get access to top quality players, the likes of Ben Godfrey, uh, Dean Henderson, Tyrese Campbell, um, without you know, spending hundreds of thousands on transfer fees or, or wages. Which is a really interesting point because you just remind me of something that Paul Hurst said in the interview he did, um, where he said that um, the, the chairman went and went above the budget, not on paraphrasing, and got Ben Godfrey, which is quite interesting. So obviously went out and must have gone either above the, the wage budget or did something mm. to financially to kind of 
get Ben Godfrey from Norwich? Yeah, you, I guess what you might have is at the start of every season when you set your budget. So say, say Shrewsbury said, right, this year's budget is three million for wages and salaries. You may then have a number of um, sub-rules in your budget. One of them might be, and as part of that, we're not going to pay any individual player more than X thousand a year. Um, if that was the case, and then we had the opportunity to bring in Ben Godfrey, but we knew it was going to cost us more, then you could then say, right, are we prepared to change that rule um, because we think it will be beneficial to One thing that's always interesting for town fans is kind of how much the players are. And, um, you know, we, we sign players that are older. Um, actually, you've got quite a young squad at the moment, which maybe suggests something. So kind of what would you kind of predict is like the average wage at Shrewsbury Town? Yeah, I've, I've tried to do a bit of research on this, actually, to see if it's it's um, disclosed anywhere. The, the accounts themselves, it says how many members of staff we have in total, but that includes... Waiters. That includes all sorts of people <laughs> yeah. from um, waiters to the, the club staff um, as well as the players. So taking an average is, is probably not that meaningful on some of the articles i've seen and i can't verify these it, it talks about an average of between uh, maybe 1500 to two and a half thousand a week in league one so that that's looking at an average of what around a hundred thousand pounds a season um, now you'll have some differences in there based on there'll be some outliers because of the teams coming down so wigan and blackburn will pay on average a lot yeah. more than you know teams like ourselves maybe the the warsaws rochdales and, and wimbledon's in the league but also you'll have some geographical differences so teams down in london or the southeast will almost certainly pay higher average wages because the cost of living is is more expensive as well and then there was, i imagine there's a few players you imagine that dave edwards is probably on more than one half grand a week Could quite possibly yeah quite possibly <laughs> be. and the other thing to consider as well is um, the level of bonuses you have um, within there as well. So the irony of last season was Shrewsbury didn't get promoted, didn't win the, the Checker Trade Trophy. But I imagine, and again, I've got no way of verifying this, that a lot of the players would have had clauses in their contract that say if we made the playoffs, then they would have got a performance-related bonus. Um, and therefore, that again could inflate the, the level of wages and salaries. We yeah, pay. Brian did talk about how the get into Wembley and and that was costing him money. Yeah. Um, and that was in a, an interview, I think, with Ian Whitfield of the club. He mentioned mm. kind of something about that, that it was a, we did really well, but it's actually possible. We didn't do that well because we didn't achieve anything. But yeah, in terms of league position, we did. Yeah, and, and also if you think that, so it, it, back to a comment you made very, very early in this podcast about when other clubs see that we're in a, a strong financial position, are they then going to use that to, to negotiate with us? in a different way and probably that's right but also players that are going to either with us already that are looking to renegotiate their their salaries or players joining us if they know that we're a good club and we've done things um, we've done well in previous seasons then are they going to ask us for more money that, that again is the, the paradox of of whether being successful is actually costing us money yeah, cool. Okay, so so as a as an accountant, as a Shrewsbury Town fan, kind of like what's your kind of emotion? What's your kind of what's your kind of thoughts of on when you look at the accounts as a, as a town fan? Yeah, so as an accountant, I'm a, a salary fan. I'm, I'm very proud to be honest. When I see the accounts, I quite often kind of share them with people at work when when they come out and go, look at this. Isn't this you know? Isn't it a great set of accounts? And there are fans from other clubs from the Premier League down to the lower leagues and, and some of them are actually really startled by just how strong Shrewsbury's balance sheet and, and um, you know annual result looks because it is out of line with, with most football league clubs. You know, the, the directors and, and the key management personnel don't take 
dividends out of a Is that quite pub. common then? I think, I mean, it does differ. Club you hear about the glaciers. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it just depends what people are in it for. But to me, clearly, that the people running Shrewsbury Town are in it to protect the football club, um, not just for this season and next season, but also for, for the medium to long-term future. And and that, to me, as a fan, is, is really important because when I look back to my 25 years as a town fan, the biggest moments of joy I've had have not been where we've been top of the league and we've had the biggest budget and we're the biggest team in the league. It's It's been that we're there and we're able to compete and that we are able to go away and even this season to, to somewhere like Sunderland in the Stadium of Light and put in a really good performance. And then aside from that, it's about what happens off the pitch. So it's experiences I've had as a fan being a supporter with my friends and the people I've met and the, the, the community we are of, of Shrewsbury Town fans. Um, Ollie, you and I have played you know used to play for the supporters team we had some great trips going to follow Shrewsbury and playing football against other supporters Um, you make friends that last a a lifetime and you get to meet some people that you just wouldn't do if you were just not a fan of our of our football club and so to me the most important thing is we have a football club and we know it's going to be there year after year after year the fact that we're in a position now that whether we're in league one or league two next season I've got a really hope and I think it'll be the former that we're in a really good position to to put together a strong squad and, and challenge whichever division we're in so, so in terms of some fans will listen to that and say yeah but we've got money let's spend it yeah um, and I guess I don't know I'll put words in your mouth yeah the, the way I the way I look at it is that if you were to to spend all of that money um, in one season to me that would be reckless and the reason it would be reckless is that if you if you buy those players and everything goes wrong then suddenly you've spent all of your money and you're going right back to the position that we were in 20, 25 years ago where you might need extra funding from the bank. Um, that increases your cost of, you know, your finance cost, interest, etc. And things can start spiralling down. And all of a sudden that future we had for the club that's based on um, having money in the bank, having a good training facility that we, we keep spending money on to improve, having money to spend on the academy every year, that goes away as well. And suddenly you're then looking at a very precarious position and you've used Barry as an example there where you're going, geez, you know, if we were to drop down even further, you know, into the conference again, we would never have any chance of getting back up because we'd be in a really dire financial position and we wouldn't be able to compete at any level. Um, So I, I totally get why people say, let's spend all the money now. If it goes well, we'll get promoted. We'll get the money from the championship. Who knows? We could go even further and, and challenge for the Premier League. I get that. Um, but to me, it's more important to, to know that we're going to have a club um, to go and carry on supporting. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, I can see where it's a, it's a good point. You'll stay in League One, try and build rather than throw, you know, throw all the money mm. on the table and roll the dice and see where you end up. And you yeah. could end up being in League Two with debt. You can. Or even worse. But, but sadly, I, I also think it's a, a state of modern society where people expect instant success and I don't know if that's just the the demands of social media and having access to everything immediately but there does seem to be that demand that you know if your football club don't get promoted then someone's to blame and you know something's gone horribly wrong whereas 
it's unlike any other industry. In, in League One this year, there are 24 teams. They all want to get promoted. They're all trying to stop the other teams from taking one of those places. So you can't all succeed. No. Every year, there's going to be four, at least four sets of supporters that are, are disappointed. And the reality is, there's probably going to be more than half. Yeah. Um, well, you think if your Sunderland don't get promoted this year, yeah. Um, Portsmouth don't get promoted this year, plus the teams that get relegated. Yeah, absolutely. And there, and there'll be a host of teams that go, oh, we're you know we're in the bottom half at the moment. That's that we're not having a good season. Um, I always think it's a it's fascinating. If you asked every club supporter on the start of the the opening day of the season where they thought their their team could finish, I suspect that. Um, you would probably have more than half saying in the playoffs, yeah, or have more in the top half. Yeah, absolutely, and and obviously that, you know, that can't happen. Okay, so so what do you expect to the fu- for the future? So you've obviously got the history of the last ten plus years of accounts. What do you expect from the future for Shrewsbury financially? Is you see any big changes? Um, I don't I don't see any big changes in terms of the way the club approach approach things. I think I think um, the approach will still be to invest in the youth system and the training facilities and to look for players who are perhaps undervalued in lower divisions who we can bring in and, and try and sell on for a, a higher amount or be used to to help our challenge in, in League One. Um, in the wider football kind of sector and industry, I expect the trend that we've seen over the last 20 years to continue. I expect the, the squeeze on lower league clubs to continue. I expect that more and more of the the TV money, etc., will go to the Premier League and to the Championship, and less and less to League One and League Two and below, which is is sad. You know, I, I think it's really sad. Um, and ultimately, whether that leads to some kind of a breakaway from the top four, six, ten clubs to, to form some kind of a European Super League, that wouldn't surprise me as well. Um, it's it's sad, and and then the the extension to that is you have people like Pep. Guardiola, who, you know, is a fantastic manager, but more and more is mentioning B-sides playing in the Football League. We've seen some erosion in the sovereignty of the Football League with the Checker Trade Trophy accepting B-teams. Um, I just hope it, it doesn't go down that route, no. but you could see that, that continued erosion of, um, of the importance of the Football League continuing. I, I really hope that's not the case. Yeah, we're seeing a, a gulf you know, I mean, in between the Championship and League One. League One and League Two seem quite similar. Mm. Look at some of the turnovers of some of the teams, they're quite similar. Yeah. But yeah, championship to League One is getting bigger. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, looking at West Brom this year, I know we go back to it, having that 100 million from last season in the Premier League. And imagine we had gone up this season, uh, or rather last season, and we were playing the Championship this year. We'd be going in on the basis of 5 million turnover from, from last season. West Brom would have 100 plus million. I mean, that is, that's just a huge differential. Um, and do you think it's money why uh, by um, they sat their manager? Yeah, I think so. I think they was they they were saying to Darren Moore, you know, you had a hundred million or whatever they they've given him to spend, and therefore the top two is the only expectation we have. Um, which again is is a sad indictment of modern football. There are we know from football, it's not necessarily the the best team that wins. There are going to be anomalies and. To think that you can demand that your team finishes in the top two of a, a, a league so competitive as the championship is... Uh, God, he was he was always fighting against it, wasn't he? Yeah, no, he certainly was. Brilliant. I think that comes near the end of the podcast. Um, thanks very much, Ant. Anything else to add? 
No, thank, thanks very much, Ollie. It's been a pleasure. Yep, thanks, guys. So if you have any any follow-up questions to the podcast, please feel free to share them on on the, on the on Twitter, on the Saddlecast, and we'll share them with Ant. I'm sure Ant, you'll answer any questions we get back. Yeah, I'd love to. And so, yeah, thanks very much for joining the podcast, Ant. Um, it's been great having you on. Thanks. Thanks.